So, like I said with the readings, I want to I end with kind of the tail end of the Lazarus story, which continues because Lazarus is now alive. He is the friend that Jesus raised from the dead. And then that flows into what we just heard, the Palm Sunday story. And I want to talk about, uh, really about the, the division that that stirred up. As you heard each part of that story, there were some people who were drawn to Jesus who believed, who followed, who saw in him something miraculous and wonderful. And then there were some who presented with the same information, pulled back from Jesus or even plotted against Jesus to arrest him and kill him. And so I want to I just talk about a couple of these divisions, how opinions on Jesus were divided even though kind of the same information was out there. So the, the first division I want to talk about is uh, in, we're kind of going to go chronologically if you want to refer back to your, your scripture, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the Sanhedrin. This is the Jewish ruling council, the religious folks. So Lazarus, just to remind you of that story, Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus. He had been sick and Jesus and the disciples had been several days journey away and Jesus delayed Lazarus died, and then when Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, lived, Jesus interacted with them and then very publicly raised Lazarus from death to life. Um, I say very publicly because Jesus uh, prayed a, a loud public prayer asking God to grant power to raise him from the dead. He, he said it was so that the people watching and listening will believe. He then uh, involved the people around there. He asked some to go move the stone. He called Lazarus out. They, not to, not to be gross with you before lunch, but they commented on the, the smell from the four days dead body. They, they experienced it. He asked others to unbind, unwrap Lazarus. So people saw and smelled and heard and witnessed this last greatest miracle uh, before what happened on Easter. So many, we read in the story, uh, in, in the very first verse we read, 45, many saw what he had done and believed in him. The very next verse, but some went and reported him to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, to the Sanhedrin. And their response was, he's, he's performing many miraculous signs. He's drawing crowds. People are believing in him. And if it goes on like this, everybody's going to believe in him. And here in verse 48, this was their fear and why they turned against him. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. The Romans will come and take away our place and our nation, take away our power, our, our leadership, our influence on our community and even our nation. So their fear was that, you know, they saw the same events and... and I'd love to know, get inside their head, what do you make of someone raising someone from the dead? Doesn't that seem a little supernatural and you should do something? But th their fear was so dominant, they plotted against Jesus. We need to, to get rid of him because we're going to lose our status and power and even our own country. So these two very different reactions. Is he the Messiah? Is he a threat to us? Maybe both, maybe you can believe both, but some reacted in faith, some reacted in fear. And then the high priest, Caiaphas, is named in here. He was the, yeah, I said that, he was the high priest, part of the, the uh, 
religious leadership as well. And he has this interesting commentary on what's going on, and it's, it's almost ironic. He, and, and one of you said something to me after the service that, that at reading this, Caiaphas sounded like a good guy. We need to talk some more after the service because I looked for that and I didn't see it. Um, Caiaphas led the charge. He said, I mean, it was this, we're going to lose our place in our nation. And he said, better that we take this one man out and keep what the rest of us enjoy than let him keep going. The, the interesting and ironic and even supernatural part was that without realizing it, I think, Caiaphas was serving the function of the high priest, except with Jesus. The role of the high priest was to sacrifice a lamb at Passover, right, for the sins of the people. Unwittingly, trying to protect himself, he offered up Jesus, who is called the the lamb of God, the lamb of the world. He, He offered him to be sacrificed for the sake of the nation, and it even says in here, God, um, God used what He did for God's own purpose. Sorry, I was looking for that. Yeah, they call it a prophecy. I'm not sure he he knew that he was doing that, but nonetheless, God worked through him to accomplish this thing. And so, what's ironic is that this man who sounds like he was leading the plot actually served the very purpose that God wanted and needed him. To fulfill. So that's the first division, right? A whole bunch of people see the miracles, listen to Jesus, and they believe. And then other people whose place and power was threatened see the same stuff but turn against him in fear. The second division I want to talk about uh, comes in the next verses, 54 to 57. Uh, Jesus withdrew for a time because the threat was so great. I mentioned this last week, the risk to him and the disciples. That's why they had been so far away the first time from Lazarus, and they came back towards near Jerusalem to, uh, to meet with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And now with this threat being active, they withdraw again. What I've put on this um, screen is the, the time we're talking about. And I think mistakenly last week, I said that the raising of Lazarus was days before Holy Week. It was not, it was several months. There are some clues in the text that um, the, the visit to Bethany to raise Lazarus was right after the uh, Feast of Lights, what we would call Hanukkah today. And so the end of December, Jesus withdraws for a time and doesn't come back until it's Passover time, which is spring, late March, early April, kind of changes every year. But that's how long he was away. What we read, though, in the meantime, was in verse 55, many were looking for him. Asking the question, is he going to come back for the next feast, for Passover? Will we get to see him again, maybe see some more miracles? So all those people that followed him, that were for him, were looking out for him. But also the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, they were looking out for him. If you see him back here, report it to us so we can seize him. So the same divisions persisted with people on both sides looking and waiting. Is he going to come back? Will we see him? Will we catch him? So those three months passed, and indeed Jesus did come for Passover. It says he arrived the day before um, a particular event, but that was yesterday when he arrived back in the, the scheme of Holy Week, uh, that he arrived back into Jerusalem. And then the, the 
procession with the donkey and the palm branches and Hosanna, that would be today. And that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday on this day. So the third division I want to talk about is the Passover week. And again, how, how folks divided out. Jesus returned for Passover and entered into Jerusalem on uh, that first day, our, what would be a Sunday. And the way the events unfolded were in accordance with what had been written about the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, he will uh, ride on the colt of a donkey. He will enter a certain gate of Jerusalem. Uh, and so the people were celebrating and believed and, and uh, shouted Hosanna, which is at the same time, it's help us, save us, but it's specifically calling out to the Messiah. Messiah, help us, save us now. So the second part is blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the Messiah, the anointed one. Um, if I could say this in modern terms, Jesus did enough on the Messiah checklist that it was as if he arrived into town and the blimp, the Goodyear blimp was overhead that said Messiah here, right? <laughs> I mean, it was all the, the things that people would be looking for and they responded in faith, at least many in the crowd did. But again, division, some, the religious leaders, um, again, recognized him as a threat and feared what he would bring. And that when he came back and, and publicly accepted that, that mantle in, in uh, you know, a large sense, that's when they decided they would make their move. And so from Sunday to Thursday night, the plot unfolded. And Thursday night late of this week, Jesus would be betrayed and arrested and tried, and then Friday morning, crucified. So I want to end just by saying a word about division in general. Um, this is not taking a detour into politics and culture, but we certainly see um, that presented with the same set of facts, the same events, how widely people can interpret those in our own culture. What I want to stay focused on is Jesus, um, because that's true of Jesus as well. Uh, we, we all have access to the same Bible, the same stories of Jesus, to people's testimony and experiences of God in life, and yet people respond so differently. Sometimes as a pastor, when people are kind of questioning faith, they'll ask me one of those big questions, what about the people who haven't heard of Jesus? What happens to them? Um, I don't have a great and fully satisfying answer to that, or it wouldn't be one of the big hard questions. But what I've realized is that far more people, uh, one of the questions that they deal with is, I don't, I don't have the proof I need. You know, I, I, need, I need proof that God exists. I'm like Thomas, I wanna, I wanna touch God. I want it to be tangible or a you know, visible experience. And I think about, I mean, it just can't get any more tangible and provable than standing in the presence of Jesus, smelling a man who is dead, being one of the ones who rolls the stone away and unbinds the dead man who Jesus has raised to life, and him saying, claiming, I am the Messiah from God. And yet some not only didn't believe, but tried to kill him. There is no amount of proof that will 100% of the time convince us one way or the other. Rather, uh, I think the question is how each of us respond to Jesus' invitation. Come and follow me. Believe in me. Trust in me. 
follow me. Um, that, that invitation is presented by God in the Old Testament and by Jesus in the New Testament. And some people act on that with no proof, no vision, no tangible miracle. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that, that checklist is not what's going to bring us to faith, but, but the faith. Faith is different than belief or proof, right? The faith that I want to trust and follow Jesus. So I put a couple, you know, Jesus that day, they had a checklist of, yes, he rode a colt into Jerusalem, check. He came in through the certain gate, check. Um, the, you know, he's done miraculous signs that point to God's power, check. I think for us, uh, many of us, God has answered prayer in our life. We might check that off. Um, any of us can go look at the beauty of God's creation around us. And again, some people will see that and see the hand of God. Other people see that. And there's no God in the equation. Uh, but scripture tells us that that's one of the things that reveals God's nature to us. Um, and then there's the, there's the whole you know, written message of God in this Bible that tells us what God is like, what God wants, what we're here for, uh, all those kinds of questions. So we have maybe not exhaustive proof of the kind that we would want, but we have plenty of testimony. Again, it boils down to that, that division question. For however much you've seen of God or know of God or read about God or know people in your life that believe, at the end of the day, will you trust and follow Jesus Christ wherever he might lead uh, or not? There, people have always split on that question. Um, you know, I mentioned Thomas last week who said, I won't believe unless I see him and touch him. So maybe we can appeal to that and say, well, if Thomas could ask for that, can I ask for that? But you know, when Jesus appeared, Thomas didn't, the story doesn't say he ran over and touched Jesus. He fell on his face at the very sight of Jesus. Um, at the end of the day, I think that's, that's the key question. And it's, I was going to say it's not our place to demand of God. We can demand. But it's not going to satisfy um, the, the faith spot. In our, that's just not what faith is. I, I've known people who it seems like God has proved himself again and again to them year after year. Um, you know, I've seen what I would call miracles in their life, and they just don't want to believe. And I've seen other people who... Um, you know, out of, out of suffering and trial and need and, and seemingly no good or blessing in their life, um, they, they have a rich faith and belief and serve God with their life. Uh, the, it, it's almost like it's a big distracting question of let's, let's talk about the proof and the, the reasons and all this. I would say God has given us plenty, plenty. It's really a heart question, and it's, it's the invitation, as I said, that Jesus gave. Um, he said it to men and women as he lived on earth, and he says it, says it still through scripture, is will you follow me? Will you believe? Will you trust in me? And the one who sent me, God the Father. So I want to close in prayer and, and pray for God's work in your heart. Again, I believe God's brought us here uh, today for a reason, and uh, maybe this is for you or one of your kids or neighbors or someone in your life um, that God's invitation really is, is simple and it's, it's maybe not what we always make it out to be. Will you pray with me? God, I, I know the, uh, the, the challenge of a mind that wrestles with 
philosophical questions and wants proof and evidence, and yet also understand that's, that's not ultimately what faith is. The faith is the gift to believe in something unseen, um, something invisible to us, and yet uh, it's trusting that you love us, that you pursue us, that you have come to us in Christ with everything that we might uh, need, both in, in the life to come, but here and now as well. I, I pray that each of us hears this invitation from Jesus to, to hear me, to, to believe in me, to trust me, to follow me, and that we reckon with that on our own. Uh, there's so much to fear in this world, loss of place or power or security. Um, even the crowds that went after Jesus were, were kind of going after the wrong thing. They thought he was a hero come to to fight the, the Roman government, but he came to, to talk about your kingdom and your, your rule on earth and in our lives. Would you help us individually to hear that call upon our life and, and respond to it in faith and faithfully? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.